Welcome to the Recovery Hour podcast, where we choose to recover out loud by sharing our personal stories of inspiration, hope, and triumph. Together, we can end the stigma and shame typically tied to mental illness and the disease of addiction. We are proof that recovery does happen. Joy and laughter may be involved. This is the Recovery Hour with Lori Winfeld. Hey everyone, so glad you have tuned in to this week's episode. I actually went into the archives. Yes, this is a new podcast, but I have archives. I don't know if you know, but I was a co-host on a radio show for about a year, a few years ago. Well, it may have been last year. I don't even freaking know anymore. I have zero idea what year this is, what day it is, or even when this podcast started. I do know that... I have the original recording from the first time I told my story on air. I decided to air that this week since it is the start of recovery month here in the U.S. So please enjoy. You're going to hear me all geeked up. I must have had some coffee, man. I was passionate about the story. And you can hear Grant Denton, Pat Cashel, and Shane Whitecloud, all amazing community and recovery advocates in the Northern Nevada area. So happy to have shared my story with them and now with you. So please enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to the Recovery Brothers. I'm Grant Denton, and we're here with Pat Cashel, my dude. Pakistan, my other homie, Shane White Cloud. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do it every time. That's a, that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh and and uh, we're also introduced today for a guest. We're going to have one of my favorite friends, Lori Winfield. Lori Winfield. Yeah, I know. It's Winfield. He's he likes like, to call me Winfield. He's like, fantastic with names. He Don't is. take it personally. You know, it's yeah. it's a good thing you're good looking. <laughs> Did everybody hear that? I want somebody to document she, that. She, she was looking at me when she said it. She was looking at me. <laughs> she wasn't out now, right? It's terrible. Hey, so, um, so let's, uh, Recovery Brothers, I, I just I always like to tell the purpose of our for even uh, attempting to do a show like this. Is, I think the purpose behind this whole show is to share stories of not only addiction, but more importantly, that, um, that we can all recover. We're trying to break down those walls of addiction and, and recovery and, and let people know it's okay to, to have addiction issues. It's okay to have mental health issues. It's okay if you're homeless. And Grant and I experienced both of those. And, and, and so uh, it's just, uh, I think we all need to start talking about it. And everyone's so afraid of, of talking uh, mental health. And, and it's just, we don't, I mean, think about it. The, the brain is like the most powerful part of our body. And, and we can convince ourselves of anything through, through our, our mental health issues and it can be positive or it can be negative and so we need we need to talk about these things and, and make sure that everyone knows it's okay and uh, you know I'm, I'm not comfortable i'm not the radio host guy i never was but you know what if, if we can start spreading the word and talking about it i'll put myself out there i get in here and i start pouring sweat and getting nervous and like it's like oh my god what am i doing someone gave me a radio show it's yeah. like you stupid Lori <laughs> was out there reading her own story yeah. so she could remember hey, it hey, hey. Listen, but dude, and that's the whole gig of the uh, a, a recovery is like is that it's it's actually a great tool to be where we were and come back 
right? And make it back. A lot of people don't make it back. And the and the and the um, and the qualities that you that you learn and the things that you learn and the operating basis that you learn from being in recovery from losing everything. Sometimes the best thing that can happen to you is you lose everything, right? And then it's only uphill. And everyone has a story out there in life, and it's so cool because we have five different stories and five different paths of recovery sitting here in this room today, mm-hmm. and, and we're all going to share it. Even though you guys are our guests, we're all going to share in this story and this journey. And we all have been on different journeys our whole lives, and and we all have taken uh, chose like different paths of recovery. And, and not to say one works better than the other. And here's a proof. I think we all have different forms of recovery in this room right now. Mm-hmm. And it's it's going to be really cool to hear these stories and and let other people know that that you know just because you do it one way doesn't mean you're doing it the wrong way. And, That's right. and if it works for you, keep doing it. If, I tell people all the time if you know sitting in the corner of a room standing on your head singing kumbaya <laughs> works for you and it keeps you sober, that's got to be way better than what it was being addicted and living on the streets. Everybody finds inspiration in a different way and uh, being the professional radio guy, um, this is how everybody starts, right? You have to have a story and you have to have a face for radio and the three of us, we, we, we match that bill perfectly. So... <laughs> I think we're good to go. Yeah, so. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> I'm so. like the unnatural face of addiction, mm-hmm. which I'm super excited about to talk about today. That's one thing I do want to talk about because you just touched on it. Mm-hmm. There's a face. Yeah. For me, the story uh, definitely goes around the, the fact that there is a need for people, professional women, to understand that it isn't just about being under the bridge. It isn't just about being homeless. No. It yep. isn't yep. just about specific types of drugs. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is a drug. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and there are no, doesn't discriminate. So no, it, it doesn't. It, it goes, I mean, I, I look at where I came from and the family I had. My right? dad was the mayor for 12 years. Mm-hmm. That did not keep me from becoming a, a, an addicted to meth of all drugs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 was, it does not discriminate and it, it does not pick and choose, you know, uh, according to your race, your, you know, your color, your, your, your um, <clears throat> religious background. It, it goes after everybody. Everyone. And that, right. that, that's why I like Lori's story. Lori has, has the ultimate stigma breaking story that about like, cause it comes, she comes from a different place and her rock bottom is a different rock bottom. Right. And a lot of us think that a rock bottom has to be, like you said, homeless or heroin mm-hmm. and meth. And, I, and it actually doesn't like, it mm-hmm. could be, uh, almost losing your family. Sure. Yeah. My rock bottom, I always say is I wasn't living my best life, right? I was, I was in a place where in order for me to continue my day, I chose alcohol over everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, stay tuned and, and stay with recovery brothers. <laughs> now back to the show. Welcome back everybody. Recovery brothers, Grant Denton, package shell and Shane white cloud. <laughs> And just say, no, even before the show, I reached out to Lori and I said, hey, you can come host with us. And so we could actually call it two recovery brothers and one sister. Or like recovery brothers featuring Sober Sally. Yeah. I haven't been thinking about that at all, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's great. And I I think you can hear from the laughter out there that's going on in the show. And if you're listening to us, that you can hear from the laughter that we have, we have a lot of fun in recovery. You don't have to be messed up or. No, no. It's actually. I think I have embraced recovery so much that I am, I have never been my true self, right? I feel like this, I, I never this was my true self yeah. until I got sober at 38. Right. This isn't BS. Like this is true feelings. Yeah. Like I genuinely love hanging out in here. And if I didn't, yeah. I would say, Hey, I got to go. Like yeah, this just, just so you know, you're, you're not always going to feel great every day. It's no. not all rainbows and butterflies, but no. at least, uh, at least you get to feel without recovery, without sobriety, without, uh, <clears throat> staying away from meth for me. 
I, I don't have anything. Everything is a direct result of that. Yeah. Um, you know, everything. And when, if I ever go back down that path, I lose all those. You know, it's not just I always tell people, you know, you, we usually do this to hide from the uncomfortable feelings and the, and the emotions and stuff that we don't want to deal with and the responsibilities of life. And so, uh, and I love what Grant says, drugs do exactly what they're supposed to do. They mm-hmm. do exactly what they're supposed to do. They take all that stuff away from us, but mm-hmm. it also takes all the good stuff away from us, yep. like being a dad or being a good businessman or being an uncle or a son. Or, or it takes. Uh, so know that if you if you're if you're using drugs, they're going to do exactly what they're supposed to do, but you're going to lose a lot more than what you're, you're you're aiming to lose. I think everything becomes more superficial whenever you're under the influence. Like friendships and relationships, they're more superficial because you can't trust them. You don't know if they're real or not, or if they're just feeling sorry for you, or if they're just hanging around because they want to get an easy fix, or if they want to hang around because you're that that buddy in the bar that'll drink with them. You know things like that. In sobriety, though, I mean, it's every, everything is genuine. Yeah, you know? even your your own self. I remember when I was uh, when I was doing heroin and, and and meth. When you get sick, I don't know if it's, it might be a dope sick. It might not be, but like now, if I'm sick, I'm sick, bro. This is very real. There's nothing else going on. I'm sick, man. You know, and if you get a headache, but like, okay, this is a direct result of my head aching and not some other stuff. Well, it's, also, it's interesting, too, what you were just saying about your environment, your friends. I, what I found is I was seeking people that thought it was cool to go have mimosas at 10 a.m. on Monday after mm-hmm. we dropped the kids, right? Score. Like, I mean, Score. I, it's so fun. Like, what the hell were we thinking? But no, I mean, I, I, I do have one very true, awesome friend, Heather. Who who had breast cancer and she she likened addictions to that and she she said to me and was one of the main reasons I did finally go get help and she said I didn't choose breast cancer mm-hmm. and you didn't choose this and I thought holy yeah. right like oh my gosh this was so profound and it, it really gave me the strength to go but I realized even her through my shenanigans stood by me and would tell me often mm-hmm. I have stuff I want to talk to you about you're not going to like it. And I'm like, me, I got to go amongst the time, you know, and then I'd go run off with my friends who, hi, by the way, three and a half years sober now, there are some people that have fallen off the list, right? There's some yeah, people oh that yeah. I don't see mm-hmm. anymore and I'm okay with that. I'm really okay. If I just sat at home and knew that it was just my family and I and the true people that truly love me for who I am. Who always did, you know, they mm-hmm. never went away. Oh, yeah. it's just such a great feeling. I just love and it. We got to go to break. <laughs> Recovery Brothers coming back with Lori, AKA Sober Sally. Yeah. Welcome back to Recovery Brothers. I'm Grant and Denton. I'm, and I'm Pat Cashel. <laughs> I'm Grant Cashel. <laughs> I was you, totally you wish. You wish. Same oh. hair. That's about it. This is Grant White Cloud. <laughs> how is everybody? Because that's exactly how I talk. <laughs> right? Yeah. That, that was me. What we can take from this, too, is, is you can have all the superheroes and all the famous people in the world, and the movie stars and the singers. And you can think that those are your kids' heroes, but they're really not. Their ultimate hero is you as the parent. Yeah. And they want to be just like you. And if they see you come home drunk every night or, or cracking the bottle of wine when you get home or having mimosas at 10 o'clock in the morning, guess what they want to do when they get to that drinking age or before? Yeah. Yeah. So they true. want to be just like you. And, and, and you know, all the Michael Jordans and, and whoever else is out there that is looked up to by kids, they come and go. 
but as and, a parent, you're there the rest of their life. And that's the, the awesome thing about recovery is your kids will see my, like my son would see me show up, uh, you know, with a, with my backpack on strung out and my son would uh, see me in jail and I would call him from jail and he'd answer the phone. You have a collect call from an inmate in Clark County, you know, and they'd get to hear that stuff. But, but in recovery, my son gets to see me move up the ranks and he gets to see his dad overcome and he gets yeah, to see so, his dad so, do stuff. So like I get phone calls all the time from parents going, God, I don't want my kid to go through what you went through. And it's like, what do I do to stop that? And it's like, be a good example. Right, be a good just, parent. Just be a good parent and be a good example. Mm-hmm. Don't come home. Like, when you come home, don't crack open the beer. Go outside and play with them in the yard. Go go interact with them. Go engage with them. Yeah. Well, you That's know, how you, you, you improve the odds of your kids being, being not sure. an addict. There's a flip side of that, too, because my nine-year-old, uh, you know, his my ex-wife and I have a, a custody of him. And he goes to her house uh, every now and then. And... Uh, there was a point in time whenever he looked at me and he was crying and he said, does she care more about her drugs and alcohol than she does me? Oh, that's so sad. And at that time frame, I'd been sober for 18 years and, but I still, I, I had the, the know, know how to sit down with him and say, it's not like that, buddy. She's yeah. just, she's not thinking about how it affects you right now. And, and I could tell him that and, and be honest with him and, and you could see how he was absorbing it. And, but it, it's a hard conversation to have because, you know, I have a 23 year old and my 23 year old at some point in time, how old are you? Dad, <laughs> I'm well preserved, my friend, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, not the drinking there was, yeah. there was a time frame where I would have been an extremely horrible father yeah. for him yeah. and, and to have the opportunity to be the good father. Yeah. Finally, is is uh, that's a that's a payoff. I, I love that. True that. Everyone's everyone is recovering from something. Man, I feel like we need like a two hour show. Uh, <laughs> you do because well because we haven't even we haven't even begun to hear. We're indeed, <laughs> Lord, yeah. you gotta. I mean, you're gonna have to come back because hey, obviously this is the, the remaining. I mean, we have another segment, but I, I want to hear some of Lori's story and and because I, I think you. Um, I think a lot of people in the community and out there listening on the radio right now probably relate to your story. They do. And I will tell you this, I, I say that confidently because I have two women right now texting me, talking to me about where they can go in town to help them with their alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Now, whether they decide to call it alcoholism or not, or addiction or what that is, they're cleaning themselves up. I don't care. And we have that conversation a lot. You can call it what you want. But the fact is, it is in the way of them living their best life. And whether that be with their children or with their jobs, what have you. For me, I go back to there is this stigma, and Pat has talked about this and has been trying to smash that so much in this community for so long, is there's a a type of person that is a drug user or that is addicted to alcohol, and you have a picture of that. And my, my life is not that. I'm at fundraising galas with my husband. I am out with the kids in the baseball field, and my hydroflask isn't filled with water, okay? <laughs> the only reason I could be at that field and deal with anything that was going on, which meant children playing and people trying to talk to me, was having to drink that vodka that was in that bottle. And there are people doing that all the time. And, and the thing is, is again, back to, for me, it's environment. It's, I surrounded myself by people that told me that that was okay. And so for me, it started back when I, I recognized outside of a very long line of addiction with, within my family, I started suffering from what I consider panic attacks and anxiety attacks and depression. And I didn't know how to handle that. And I would say that my family is sort of old school thinking and just deal with it you'll be okay, sleep it off, or let's have a drink, right? It was always something that we would figure it out. And knowing, um, I, I touched on this for a second, and then I'll get a little deeper into this, is, is 
I feel after I, I went through treatment that I recognized I was grieve. I was never grieving some of the losses that I had in my life. When I was 16 years old, my father died in a motorcycle wreck um, from drunk driving. Similar to a lot of our stories, I, my parents were divorced, and I had just moved from New York City, Staten Island, New York, represent, and we <laughs> came all the way out to Reno, Nevada. I mean, this was like culture shock. I'm going from the city, you know, the hub of the world to literally, you know, horses are, are literally on the street. So that was a huge thing for me. Um, with that, my brother, who is also passed in a horrific accident, stayed behind. So I lost my brother. I lost my father in, in the span of two years. And both of those were horrific accidents. My, my, my dad on a motorcycle, drunk driving. My brother's house caught on fire, and he was in there. He survived for 10 days in the hospital. And against my mother's word, she said very clearly when I went to visit him, don't go in there. And I said, I have to. I need to see him. And that visual has not gone away. And it took me to go into this treatment facility, to sit down with doctors that understood my mind, that understood what was happening, that understood that I wasn't grieving properly. What I was doing was feeling all of this pain that I assumed my dad and my brother and anybody else that I've lost in my life was going through. And, you're like, and I keep looking. Don't make me cut you off. I know. I don't want Pat to cut me off, you guys. We have there's this yeah, big the clock in here that says 20 out. seconds, and so I'm going to stop myself before they stop yeah, no, me. I wanna, and we're going to come back. We're going to listen to more. You know, and, and this all comes back to, to trauma and trauma of, and childhood trauma. And I, I preach about it all the time. You it's, hear it's the a word major cause behind all these addiction issues. So anyway, hey, come right back. We'll be right back with the Recovery Brothers with Lori. Now, back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Recovery Brothers with Grant Denton, Pacashell, and Shane Whitecloud, and featuring Sober Sally. I was telling a very profound story. You were. You were. You were. I was. We, bring we it back were, around. We're bringing yeah. it back to my emotions. So, yep. Pat right. said this trauma. So, one of the things about trauma is I actually started going to counseling for a while before. I, I decided that I needed help with, with alcohol. And I remember my family saying, why are you continually going here, you know, to this counselor when they keep bringing stuff up from your past? Because it's just all coming back. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, they're right. Why am I dragging this crap up when now it's just upsetting me, not realizing that it is inside of me for my entire life, that I'm fighting something that I don't understand. So that's, that's been interesting as well. I mean, there's a ride we're all going on, and it's not just about, you know, stay in your lane. There's a lot of um, components with trying to explain to people what recovery means and understand childhood trauma. You know, we hear the word trauma. You assume blood and gore. It's just yeah, automatic. No, God, yeah. I hear trauma. I've been through a lot of traumatic. I just said that, right? My dad was in a motorcycle wreck. My brother was in a fire. Like these are trauma filled sort of, when you hear trauma, that's what you think about. Not my father was abusive to my mother, right? right. I, I don't remember when I was two and my sister and brother and I were hiding from my dad while he was throwing knives at my mom. Oh, wow. But it happened. Yeah. My insides know that. My sister, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. my oh, sister yeah. tells me too. So you know, hopefully she's not well, lying on that one. May have, mentally, you may have blocked that out too. <laughs> totally so. mentally blocked it out. There's yeah. so many things I don't know, and it, I guess it, the it, point is, is people in my family will come back and say, "Why would you bring that up?" Yeah. And right. it's just 
ignorance, right? In the sense of education. They just don't realize that bringing that up allows me to understand it, allows me to finally feel it, and allows me to let it go. And and one thing I think it's important to remember is everybody's trauma comes in different shapes and sizes. And what may be traumatic to you may be kind of nothing to me. And so we've got, you've got to own your trauma. You've got to be respectful of it. And I need to be respectful of what your trauma is and you need to be respectful of what mine is. Sure. Uh, And And to understand yourself, what that even means. And at the shelters uh, where I work every day, um, the the trauma I hear down there is, is makes your skin crawl and and it's just unbelievable. And so, um, but, but it's real, it's real to them. And just like everything you've explained is real to you and it it, it led you down a path of addiction. It did. And, And the thing is, is we talk about again, alcoholism versus addiction versus alcohol versus drugs. Alcohol is a drug. And really what it was for me is a mind numbing substance that allowed me not to feel my traumas that allowed me not to deal with the things that I was feeling. And what happened is, as I got older, things started coming up things. And again, it's not about like, Oh, back in the day, this is like, I never grieved the loss of my brother because my mind continually played this movie of his accident. I had so many details, really bits and pieces of things. Mm -hmm. So really what I found out was from my therapist that I spent a lot of time and money with was that (laughs) I was replaying this movie, this horrific movie of what I assumed happened to my brother during his accident. And I felt that pain consistently every day, every time I saw a fire, every time I heard about a light switch or anything, like just things just kept flashing back. And so what was so lovely and profound was this, this woman, a counselor came to me and said, what was your brother's favorite thing to do? Where was his favorite place to be? And I was like thinking back because, you know, it's been a long time since I thought about that right now. All I think about is this, this burn unit, you know, traumatic experience. And I've been able to replay that now and realize it's not about what was happening to him specifically at that moment. I made the assumption what was happening to him. I made the assumption what pain he was feeling, and I was taking that on. It's almost like you manifested PTSD. Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And that's one of the things of a million. I have a list of things that the you know psychiatrist told me I had wrong with me. Um, and that was one of them is PTSD. I'm like, wait a minute. I wasn't in the army. And they're like, okay, lady. Um, also workaholism. I'm like, I don't have a job. Like, I don't have a job. How are you telling me I have workaholism? Um, but I wasn't recognizing my worth as a mother. I wasn't recognizing my worth as a volunteer at all of the nonprofits that I was working for. What I saw was this woman who was no longer at the top of a business. Business. Um, I just saw this lady that was picking up kids, schlepping laundry around and cooking dinner for the dude. My worth was gone. Schlepping. Schlepping. Remember that word. So that's, this is the thing. People will look at me and say, oh, this was just a mom or, I, and I have heard this recently. I was featured in a magazine recently um, for the mental health and addiction issue of Bliss Babe in December. Mm. And it was an amazing article. I, I just bled my heart out. I was very honest and open about my story. And people finally said, wow, well, we didn't realize you had gone through this. And you know what? Why did I have to say that for you to then now, like, it's like now you're acknowledging I have a problem because I gave you the whole spiel. Why can't we just be honest? Why can't you just say, you know what, Lori went through whatever it was that she went through and good for her um, versus it looking at, I, and the reason I'm bringing this up is there was some conversation, you know, in, in the rumor mill of another mommy looking for attention. Or maybe their acceptance is because they're envious. Maybe they wish they could find the sobriety that you have. Sure. And what I would tell you what I want to say about this, though, is... You should check their hydro flask. Yeah, girl. (laughs) (laughs) 
There are plenty. I'm telling you. I know it. Look, they make flasks into like you know sunshine bottles. What are those? Things? The sunscreen bottles now. We all we all have something. But I guess my point in this is is somebody saying she's just looking for attention. You're damn right. I am. I'm looking for attention. I am looking for attention to say this is not just people under the bridge. This is not just homeless men dealing with heroin addiction or whatever you decide to call it. These are your people. These are women in PTA meetings. These are women running businesses in this town. These are judges. These are attorneys. They're all doing this. I think the best word. Not all. I'm sorry. Back really up. They're not all doing it. <laughs> Wait a minute. Caveat. Exactly. What are you trying to say? I don't sorry. know if you would call that more attention or awareness. Awareness. I think you're bringing more awareness. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. Exactly. And what I have found, honestly, is with me being more open with my story, is I'm a mirror. I'm a mirror for a lot of people, and you guys might have recognized this as well, but I have people looking at me going, huh, I might have that same situation. And some of us have addiction, and it's, you know, it's a disease. Some of us can just have a drink. Yeah. My girlfriend, Heather, I talked about earlier, I wanted to slap her when I was drinking. She literally would have a drink for, like, freaking three hours. And I'm like, girl, why is that not down your throat right now with four others? Like, right, why is that just sitting there? And still to this day, if you told her no wine, no beer, no, she'd be fine. And I never, I couldn't do that. There are just some of us that can't drink normally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, your your story also brings awareness to me because I like I'm oh, hey. like like, <laughs> but like uh, like my the only bubble I know of addiction is like the street level homeless right. heroin met, and then when you hear like you know the hydro flask shit I'm like stop people do that people like, do that yeah and 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 it's uh it's it's a trip dude to see that whole whole other side like because there is a stigma with addiction that it's just this end and right. like your story is gonna break this that stigma that there is more people suffering right. from addiction there is more people and I think it's a lot more more difficult when you have this this uh, facade. Yes. To, to, to carry up at, while you're also carrying this heavy... This heavy load, yeah. right? And the thing is, for me, is dealing with... The, it's a, co- a, a co-occurring disorder, right? I have mental illness. So I have high anxiety. I have been diagnosed with clinical depression. I don't know what to do with that still to this day. What do you do with that? You, you can take specific drugs, and uh, I forget with one of them, a Xanax is a big deal. Like, no, I can't do that. That's literally alcohol in a bill, you know, in, in a pill. So then now I'm like, what do I do to deal with this? That I'm sweat like right now, I'm sweating, my heart is racing. I'm not nervous. Like, this is so natural and comfortable for mm-hmm. me, but my body's reacting physically, and I don't know what to do with that. Um, getting on airplanes sometimes, I don't have a fear of flying. But sometimes I feel like I'm going to die. And oh, I'm like, where is this coming from? You're doing it great. And so oh, is Pat. And yeah. so am I. I don't know if you noticed. My boobs are sweating. Oh, my right God. Now. <laughs> <And> it's, <laughs> Please. It's what happens when I get nervous. So in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the 411. But these grand. are very normal things. These they are. are. Things. It's okay. It's okay to be anxious. It's okay to be nervous. It absolutely so, is. Yeah. It absolutely is. And, yeah. and the thing is, is, is you, you talked on this too, Pat, is that it's not always rainbows and sunshine, right? I don't wake up every day going, I feel great. I'm in a blanket burrito a lot. Ask my kids, ask my family. I come home from something like this and I am drained. While it goes, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, I'm very comfortable and everyone's awesome here. I'm going to go home and wrap up in a blankie, eat some caramel M&Ms and like just veg for probably three straight hours before I have to get the kids and then be present again. That's just how my body reacts. Yeah. I think one taking, when we're down to our last minute here, is is, uh, we all have fun and recovery. Yes. 
And just like you said, all that with the mental health issues and the anxiety and the depression, um, we have tools to deal with those types of things now. And one of those tools is not alcohol and it's not drugs. It's not. And I'm so grateful for that. So I'm grateful. grateful for um, just every every breath I take every single day. And uh, whether it be uh, a really good feeling or a really bad feeling, at least I get to feel these days. Yeah. And, and I well usually, said. and those bad feelings, I usually learn from them. And, I usually, and, it, and it gives me strength because next time that bad feeling comes along, I know what to do with it. Yeah. So I cannot thank you both. I mean, I, we could sit here for hours. We can. And, 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 and talk about this. And I just want to say thank you both. And, uh, Absolutely. Thank you, Grant. And thank you, Shane, for all being here today. And Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recovery Hour podcast. Successful podcasts equal subscribers and good ratings. Please take a few minutes to rate, review, and subscribe. To learn more about me, your host, Lori Windfeld, jump on over to the recoveryhour.com. Here you'll find information on my coaching and speaking practices, as well as information on guests of the show. If you're still listening to this and you haven't subscribed to my mom yet, what are you doing? You're lame. So go do it right now. All right, all right, calm down. Sorry about that. He's just really excited for this to be successful since I've been spending all of my free time on this project and not with him. While you aren't lame, as my son suggests, I would really appreciate a few minutes of your time to subscribe. While it doesn't seem like much, it really does help my goal in spreading the word of recovery. Until next time, let's continue to inspire, live, and give.